This is Talkback, 721-1290 or 1-800-568-5309. This is News Talk KGVO, AM 1290 and 98.3 FM. KGVO, Missoula's news and weather station. Hey, welcome, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. A brand new year and another edition of Talk Back this morning, which is brought to you by Phillips Janitorial. Well, they offer residential and commercial cleaning. Anybody's got a brand new year, got to get the house and business clean. No job is too big or small for Phillips Janitorial. Get a free estimate. Here's the number, 406-260-6617. Also brought to you by Brooklyn Bagel and Bakery. This just brought a, brought by a great big box of bagels with, I believe, our regular and strawberry-flavored schmear. Yum. Uh, all your New York favorites are there. Lox New York Cheesecake and more. And cannolis, don't forget that. Brooklyn Bagel and Bakery on North Reserve. The views and opinions expressed on TalkBack are not those of the staff, management, or advertisers. Okay, wouldn't be a brand new year uh, in our studio without first saying hello to Nick Christensen right over there. Good morning. All right. Good morning, Nick. Joining us in the studio, the one and only Walt Kiro. Yeah. Resident yeah. CPA. or Res- C- CPA, Resident CPA. Yeah. That works. <laughs> <laughs> or SIPA. Uh, I, I've been called much worse, uh, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So first of all, first of all, let folks know... That you are here to give uh, tax advice. Yes, and answer their tax questions, Absolutely. as you say, in a generic way, you know, because everybody has different facts and circumstances. Right. But we, we're here to help. Now, uh, with with the mega millions up over $450 million again, yeah. I would imagine anybody out there who was lucky enough to win that would want to call in and say, hey, Walt, what do I do with all this money? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, the big thing is, is uh, uh, get a group of advisors. Yeah. You need an attorney. You need a tax uh, a tax uh, advisor. And a bodyguard. And uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A couple of them. Anyway, all right. Anyway. So, so you you brought uh, another big pile of stuff as we're we're entering two thousand twenty three. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I have already. I've got my big pile of tax stuff in my office at, at my studio at home. Yeah. And so this week, I'll probably be sitting around just kind of beginning to collate a little bit. Yeah, I was astounded. My wife over the weekend got her social security statement. Yeah, so did I. And I was just going, "Wow, hey boy." Social Security's on top of things. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. The private sector doesn't get those 1099s out till uh, end of January, end of February, mm-hmm. depending. So, yeah, that's, well, that's good news. You bet. All right. So, so here, so here we are. What do you have? I see lots of, lots of highlighted sections. Oh, there. yeah. What, well, what I'm going to do, uh, uh, before I get into reviewing the Taxpayer Bill of Rights, that's what I want cool. to get into. Great. But uh, uh, the state of Montana is updating all their computers and how they're doing things, which is, I think, a good thing. All right. The problem is they do some things, and here's an example. The Montana Department of Labor and Industries, if you're an employer out there and if you file your quarterly report in paper – they're going to fine you now $25. Really? Yeah. Wow. So, and I have a I have a client that got a $25 bill here. There's no tax owed because it was paid with the return. Right. But they said, because you didn't file online, we're going to ding you. <laughs> so, anyway, I'm going I'm oh, to deal let, with that. Let, but, let me ask you this. Is that $25 tax deductible? 
Uh, have for an employer, uh, <laughs> arguably the answer is no, because okay. any fines or penalties right, are not right. deductible. Okay, just checking. You know, like <laughs> traffic tickets and the Because whatnot. you can say, right back at you, baby. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm deducting that from my taxes next year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, hopefully cooler heads will prevail and the government won't be so obnoxious. I mean, it's it's okay to do that. California... Uh, and other states require you to electronically file a, a return, and you have to uh, bow to their graces to ask for exemption from that if you have extenuating circumstances. So, you know, the whole it, – it's good to electronically file stuff, but you shouldn't be penalized for using paper. Uh, that's just my thinking, but, you know, it's just to, – uh, to me, it's a form of harassment. Uh, but, you know, we'll we'll see what comes of that. Well, anyway, I want folks to know the phone lines are open at 721-1290. Uh, that's our number. Walt specifically is here to give you tax advice. Now, we've got a brand new year here. Uh, yep. So so it's time to begin gathering and collating and all the stuff that we need to 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 uh, file our taxes. Of course, again, April fifteenth is the de- is the deadline. Yeah. But who? Do you, you don't want to really wait that long, do you? I mean, come on, let's uh, let's get this going here. Yeah, yeah. You want to get started on things right away, and uh, uh, now is is the best time to start doing that. Uh, You've got uh, records. Uh, Actually, if you're involved with a business or if you have rentals, it's best to prepare your information on a routine basis during the year. So that way, this time of year, you just have to do the last month or last quarter or whatever it happens to be. So, So you're not under a gun to go through a mountain of stuff. You know, it's just a... it's, what was it, an ounce of prevention is worth mm-hmm. tons of cure? You bet. Now, another thing we need to remind folks about is the last quarterly payment for estimated taxes is due on January 15th, just 11 days from now. Right. And a lot of people forget about it because it's a new year, right? Yeah. Yep. Uh, uh, some people will make their fourth estimate in December by, by the end of the year. In, in the old days, there used to be some advantage to that. Nowadays, not so much. But yes, you're exactly right. Uh, est- the fourth estimate is due on January 15th. So, uh, you know, I've got mine to do, and I'm I'm sure there's... I sent mine in already. Bunches of others. That, oh. <laughs> let, let me tell you what I did, and you would be proud of me. Okay. okay? All right. Uh, uh, in April, right... Mm-hmm. When, I, when I sat down to begin this, I prepared all four of my estimated tax uh, coupons. The vouchers, yeah. Yeah, the v- vouchers, whatever they are. Mm-hmm. And uh, with the envelopes and the address always stamped and ready to go. So all I had to do was write the check, stick it in there, and put it in the mail. First time ever I've been that organized. And my poor wife fainted away. She couldn't, <laughs> she couldn't even believe it. She says, what are you doing? I'm doing something I've never done before. Oh. <laughs> I'm being proactive. She goes, means there's hope for our marriage after all. <laughs> after 42 years. So, oh, okay. Anyway. So she's yeah. uh, in, in shock. I, yeah. I, don't, I haven't seen you at the peak for a while, so... You you got her a treadmill? I did. I got her a treadmill. Yes, she is. She, oh, good. We, we, we've had treadmills in the past, but she killed them. <laughs> <laughs> she, no, she she's so physically fit that she loves to run on the treadmill. Mm-hmm. And um, they're not made to last forever. So Oh, no. Anyway. Oh, no. 
Nope, uh, they're you know they're not Maytags, right? <laughs> <laughs> we're we're up against our first break, in fact. Uh, but the phone lines are open if you have a question or a comment for Walt Kiro. Uh, 721-1290 is our number. One eight hundred five six eight five three zero nine. Just want to call and say hello. That'd be fine too. Yeah. We'll be we'll be right back after this. Hey everyone, it's Nick. When it comes to making plans, you are the best. What about those round trips, which are perfect on your way there and perfect on your way back? Or those meetings with friends, surprise parties, camps, birthdays. The same way you plan for the important moments, start planning to protect you and your loved ones from a natural disaster. Sign up for local weather and emergency alerts. Prepare an emergency kit and make a family communications plan. Get started at ready.gov slash plan. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. Unused prescription opioid pain medicines can spell trouble. They can spell risk if taken by someone they weren't prescribed for, harm if accidentally taken by a child or pet, or overdose if they're not used as directed. Safely dispose of opioids before they can hurt your family. Find a drug take-back option such as medicine drop boxes. You may find these in your community at local pharmacies or police stations. Visit www.fda.gov slash drug disposal. And we are back on Talkback. 721-1290 is our number, 1-800-568-5309. All right, phone lines are open. If you have a question, a tax question for Walt Kuro, a resident CPA, he's here specifically to answer your question. Yeah, and, and I want to go over, and this is a, a huge thing that got started shortly after Clinton became president, I think is when the Taxpayer Bill of Rights came about. And the federal government has a set of uh, taxpayer bill of rights, and so does the state of Montana. But there's 11 of those bill of rights, and I'll quickly go through all 11. I'll just mention them by okay. name. All right. But there's one about the right to privacy and finality I want to talk about. The first one is the right to be informed. You have uh, Taxpayers have a right to quality service. They have a right to pay no more than the correct amount of tax. And that's a loaded question because how do you know what the correct amount of tax is when the laws keep changing? Right. It's, it's tough. Anyway, uh, you have the right to challenge the IRS's position and to be heard. You have a right to an appeal of an IRS decision to an independent forum. That's called the Appeals Office of the IRS. And it appears to be independent, but it's not really. I mean, it's all those people in the Appeals Office are paid by the same paymaster. So there's always some question about yeah. independence with that going on. Uh, taxpayers have a right to finality. And what does that mean? Taxpayers have the right to know the maximum amount of time they have to challenge an IRS position right. and the maximum amount of time the IRS must audit a particular tax year or collect a tax debt. And that's important for people like our former president. <laughs> the right to privacy. The, and that's something I'm going to expound on because there's, there's a huge amount of inf of, of rights and responsibilities go with the right of privacy, the right of confidentiality, the right to retain representation, and the last one is the right to a fair and just tax system. Uh, that one's kind of difficult because then you got to deal with uh, uh, the uh, Congress and the administrations and uh, 
you know, everybody's always going to have an opinion on what's fair and what's just, but uh, that's why it's going to be a difficult thing to do. So, all right, let's let's we have a caller. Let's uh, jump right. right in here right now. Larry's on the line. Larry, happy New Year. Good morning, sir. Hi, Larry. Yes, same to you, folks. Hi, Walt. How are you? Oh, better than I deserve. Well, good, good. A uh, couple questions. Uh, since uh, our investments are down quite a bit from where they were a year ago at this time, uh, I wondered if you could explain how required minimum distributions are calculated. And uh, also, uh, I've heard you mention a couple times about the uh, Trump tax cuts expiring. And in general, what will that do to those of us that are retired and uh, living on our investments and uh, Social Security and that sort of thing. Well, and I'll listen to uh, you, Larry. Good question. On the phone. All right. Good questions, Larry. Uh, a, a, a couple of things. Uh, you're if you're now the law is if you're 72 or older, you are required to take a minimum distribution from your retirement accounts, whether it's an IRA, a 401k, a pension plan, a profit sharing plan. Uh, 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 say like a teacher's retirement no. or public employee's retirement. Well, why is that? The law. Well, yeah, I, yeah. Congress passed the law because they said, hey, if you got a deduction for putting money into an IRA or a company got a deduction for putting right. money into a 401k, we want that deduction back. <laughs> so they want to, okay, they want to, they want you to pay tax. And uh, I've, the numbers are a little bit different than this, but they go to the actuarial tables and they say you're 72, you're going to live to be 84, so you got 12 years, and they they start you on a program, and it starts out at about 3.9 or 3.8% of, as Larry's question is, the fair market value of your account at December 31st. So right. a few days ago... Your account had a fair market value. So if this is your first year for a minimum distribution, you got to, roughly it's going to be about 3.8% of whatever that value is. So if you have $100,000 in an IRA and that's the market value at December 31st, you have to take out a minimum in 2023 of $3,800. That's what the required minimum distribution rule is. Okay. And, you know, there isn't, there, there's always some rules with regards to that. But if you're required to take a minimum distribution, that's how it works. Now, some people uh, are taking advantage of the market going down. And one of the things you can do is say, hey, I've always thought about putting my money into a Roth and I'm going to pay tax on it now. So if your uh, account has uh, lost value, like kind of went in the toilet in the past year, like right. Larry's referring to, and let's say you lost 30% in the account, well, what you can do is say, oh, I'll take advantage of this and convert it to a Roth and pay the tax now at a 70% at a of normal value. And then when it grows... As the economy comes back or the market comes back or your investments come back in value, you've escaped that taxation. 
all together. Wow. So that's that's something for people out there to think about. Okay, with that, we're up against another break. 721 This is fascinating stuff, folks. I hope you're listening and taking notes because there will be a test. Yes. Just before 10 o'clock. That's right. <laughs> anyway, 721 is our number. Uh, Walt Kira is here to answer your tax questions. If You know, you just uh, we just uh, celebrated the new year. Maybe it's a little bit early to start digging through stuff and, and finding things for your taxes, but if you have a question about maybe an investment or somebody passed away and how's that going to affect this year's taxes, that sort of thing, uh, the number is 721-1290. Walt is here to answer your questions right after this. Individual rates. Lorraine knew she wanted to adopt a teenager from foster care. I love teenagers. I think it adds an element of fun because you can really do activities as a family that everybody loves. The Dave Thomas Foundation for Adoption believes you're never too old for family. More than 20,000 children in the U.S. are at risk of aging out of foster care without a family. Learn how you can help at DaveThomasFoundation.org. Okay, we are back. Uh, 721 is our number, 1-800-568-5309. Our guest here in the studio uh, for the first time in 2023 is Walt Kiro, a resident CPA. Now, uh, in the five, about five minutes we have left before we have to take our hard break at the top of the hour. So uh, what else did you want to share with us? Oh, okay. Uh, one of the Taxpayer Bill of Rights items is understanding that every taxpayer has a right to privacy. So what does right to privacy mean? Because in Montana, we have a constitution that indicates we have a right to privacy. And that's locked into the Montana Constitution. And that means a whole bunch of things under Montana law. But under the Taxpayer Bill of Rights at the federal level, understanding that a taxpayer has a right to privacy has, a, has this kind of a meaning. If you have a taxpayer has the right to expect any IRS inquiry, whether it's a letter, a notice, examination, enforcement action, will that the IRS will comply with the law and be no more intrusive than necessary. <laughs> So, forgive my bursting out laughing. So, (laughs) you think about this, what happened uh, back when Obama was president, we had the attack on on conservative groups that were filing 501c4 organizations, and they were targeting them, and, and I'll get into that later. They were thinking about prosecuting them just for merely applying for that status. Right. Lois Lerner was contacting the Department of Justice about enforcement action against somebody who, I, I, I mean, it's almost like the minority report. Well, you might be doing something wrong, so we're going to nail you the, now. The, the Department of Pre-Crime. Yeah, the Department <laughs> of Pre-Crime. So, <laughs> you know, it's pretty scary stuff when... When the federal government is going to that extreme. In in other words, they're picking sides. Yeah. And and the government, the whole process is you're not supposed to pick winners and losers. And and, and it's just unfortunate because a lot of people uh, incur a lot of trouble and money. And, uh, uh, you know, in some cases, it ruins people's lives. And so it, it, it shouldn't be allowed to get to that extent. So... I don't think everything, anything ever really happened to her for doing that, did she? No, but, but you see what happened. Uh, Judicial Watch filed a bunch of FOIA requests. Right. 
And what happened is when Lois Lerner was deposed and interrogated in her deposition about all that process, there were alleged death threats to her. And so she had the judge and a couple other IRS officials had the judge lock up that deposition for for four years. (sighs) And so just recently... That four-year period expired, so Judicial Watch was able to get to her testimony, and there was a lot of indications in her testimony that that is, in fact, what was going on. They were targeting political enemies. And so, you know, uh, it's, it's just a frightening aspect that our country would get to evolve to this point. Now, uh, regarding the IRS, uh, one of the things that we learned... Uh, through uh, President Biden, was they're adding 87,000 agents, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and now, ha- has that occurred yet? Is it in the works? What, well, what's, what's the status on that? Well, uh, uh, that's kind of interesting. Uh, uh, the the 87,000 agents is supposedly over a, a 10-year period. Oh, so okay. let's just figure 8,700 a year for 10 years. Right. But that was part of the Inflation Reduction Act that that Biden got pushed through and he signed. And that... uh, Which uh, really worked like a charm, didn't it? (laughs) Well, well, anyway, (laughs) this is one of the the things that, you know, uh, I was going to talk about because I've been using the term goon squad. And this was one of the third items I came across. Of that 87 billion, 44. 45.6 45.6 billion of that, 57% of that is targeted to enforcement. So that's going to agents. And those agents are going to be, you know, checking underwear drawers and Lord knows what. And so that's, that's, it's kind of scary thoughts that they're going to spend that much money towards that. And there's a conflict going on there because in one, another issue with that is, is the taxpayer advocate was was questioning the ability of the Treasury Secretary and others in the Biden administration, including the president, that they're not going to audit anybody with less than 400000 of income. Well, if you've got thousands and thousands of agents hanging right. around with nothing to do, right. it doesn't make sense. We're going to take a break. Come right back after the top of the hour. Another hour uh, awaits uh, with advice from Walt Kiro. Get in line, 721-1290. We're going to come back after the top of the hour. When it comes to making plans, you are the best. What about those round trips that you plan in advance, which are perfect on your way there and perfect on your way back? Or those meetings with friends for which you make a group chat three months before so that nobody or anything is missing? Or your daughter's first birthday party? You planned it with such dedication that instead of the first, it felt like our quince's. The same way you plan each detail for those moments. Start planning to protect you and your loved ones from a natural disaster. Sign up for local weather and emergency alerts. Prepare an emergency kit. And make a family communications plan. Protecting your family is the best plan you can make. Get started at ready.gov plan. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. Meet Ingrid, fiery spirit, caring grandma, proud trucker. I've logged more than 4 million miles in my truck. If people knew what I know, lives could be saved. 
I was driving outside of Ohio when a gentleman stopped suddenly in front of me. But it takes my 80,000 pound truck 200 yards to stop. I'd given myself extra room, but it's not a chance worth taking. It's, it's our roads. roads. It's, it's our, our safety. safety. Visit www.sharetheroadsafely.gov. This is Talkback, 721-1290 or 1-800-568-5309. This is News Talk KGVO, AM 1290 and 98.3 FM, KGVO. Missoula's News and Weather Station. Hey, welcome back, everybody. It is time for Talk Back, brought to you this morning by Brooklyn Bagel and Bakery. Uh, yes, we have delicious uh, regular and strawberry schmear today with all of our lovely bagels from Brooklyn Bagel and Bakery. Appreciate that very much. Of course, uh, all the authentic New York bagels and pastries can be found from Little Italy right here in, in Missoula on North Reserve. And also brought to you by Phillips Janitory. Got some cleaning needs to be done after the, that big Christmas or New Year Eve party, uh, give them a call today for a free estimate, 260-6617, because no job is too big or small for Phillips Janitorial. The views and opinions expressed on TalkBack are not those of the staff, management, or advertisers. Okay, we're back. Uh, hour number two with uh, Walt Kiro joining us here in the studio, our resident CPA, Nick Christensen poised over the phone right now to uh, take your phone calls at 721-1290. With cat-like reflexes. That's right, exactly. He's ready to pounce. <laughs> yes. Anyway. Okay. So where were we before we were well, so rudely interrupted? we were talking about the, the taxpayers and one of their uh, uh, rights under the Taxpayer Bill of Rights is the right to privacy. And I'm expanding on what that means. Uh, and first, I was the IRS cannot seize certain personal items such as school books, clothing, undelivered mail. The IRS cannot seize a personal residence without first getting a court approval. I bet they don't like that, but they, they have to <laughs> so, go so they that can't process. So they can't look at my underwear drawer, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> like what happened at Miralago, I guess. Uh, that's, they, they looked everywhere for yeah. stuff. So. And the agency and the IRS must show there is no reasonable alternative for collecting the tax debt. So, in other words, they just can't go to seize your house first, wow. for, first whack. They've okay. got to look for other means first. Sometimes a taxpayer will submit offers to settle their tax, tax debt. That's known as an offer and compromise. And so uh, uh, they... they Taxpayers who make that offer do not need to submit any financial documentation. Wow. So, you know, you have to prepare it because they may ask for it if they agree to uh, settle. You know, uh, they just don't want to do it willy-nilly, and I, don't, I wouldn't blame them for that. But when you initial file an offer and compromise, according to what the, I, I'm hearing here from the IRS— they don't, you don't need to submit documentation with that offer compromise. Uh, during an audit, if an IRS, if the IRS finds no reasonable indication that a taxpayer has no unreported income, in other words, they look like they're reporting everything, right. uh, the agency will not go through and seek intrusive or, or extraneous information about the taxpayer's lifestyle. No, we're just going to keep digging and digging and digging until they find something, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, you know, if they – and they get – nowadays, not back in 1973 when I started, but now 
the IRS has so much information about us, <laughs> especially our income. It's, it's pretty frightening. The only thing that they don't have access to is if you're in business or if you've got rents, that rental income and that business income is not necessarily reported to the IRS. Now, if you're using credit cards, the IRS is getting that information. But if your income is coming from cash or checks or non-credit card payment, they, the IRS doesn't have access to that. A taxpayer can expect that the IRS collection actions are no more intrusive than necessary. So they'll leave your underwear drawer alone. I, I guess there's a little room for interpretation in there, right? <laughs> the necessary. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. oh, we thought your underwear drawer was necessary. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Sorry. Right. Okay. Uh, anyway, uh, those are the big things with, uh, uh, you know, the Taxpayer Bill of Rights. And people need to know that those things exist. So if the IRS starts uh, sending uh, uh, notices, most of the time they're computer-generated notices. And most of the time they're tied in with, well, you did your return, but we don't see this payment of tax, or we noticed that there's this income that wasn't on the return. Please explain it to us. Right. That's quite common. And so that, you know, that's kind of taken the place of, of quite a few audits. So let, let, let me ask you this. Uh, let, let, let's say I'm a... Uh, guy with a family, three or four kids, uh, maybe in, in my early 40s, whatever, and I, I get a letter uh, right out of the blue from the IRS. It's an actual letter. It's not a fraud or anything. From the IRS <coughs> stating that uh, our records show blah, 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 and you're going, what? Uh, so mm -hmm. so uh, anybody that's ever gotten a letter like that, I mean, immediately the blood drains from your face and you faint dead away. Uh, and then when you wake up, you're, I, I got a I got to figure this out somehow. So, do we contact someone like you and say, "Help! What do I do? I'm just a just a regular guy out here. I have no idea what this is about." Yeah, if if you get a letter like that, and if you are of even if you read it carefully and slowly, two or three times, and you don't understand it, contact a preparer such as myself, or. Uh, God forbid you call the government because if you call them, they'll never pick up or answer. Right. Uh, they may put you on hold and say, uh, leave us your number. We'll call you back. The chances of getting a response from the IRS verbally nowadays is, is right. very slim. And, and I guess the reason I ask that is because when that happens, it can be so traumatic that that you you can't just say well I think I'll just let this sit for a while right yeah and 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 you want some sort of at least uh, avenue to be able to find out what I do next right yeah, yeah. the big thing is is one don't panic two if you don't understand it get some help get some help from a, a, a professional like myself or or uh, you, you know if you can get information online from the from the government. But by all means, don't uh, go into that river in Egypt of denial. <laughs> go, even if you have to, write a letter back to them because they'll give the address on where you're supposed to respond. Right. And uh, write a letter and ask, say, hey, I don't understand this. Can you explain the details to me so I can, can you uh, so maybe can, say speak English? So I can know what to look for. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yes. If it's a missing payment or some kind of a return that didn't get filed, 
you know, you should be able to understand it. That's All right. We, we're up against a break. 721-1290 is our number. The first visit for Walt Kira of 2023. Uh, we'd love to have your calls this morning if you have a tax question. Uh, we're in the brand new year, and that means April 15th may seem like a long way away. Oh, yeah. But, uh, you know, like the, like the good Boy Scout, be prepared. Anyway. That's so right. The phone number is 721-1290. We will be right back. And we are back here on Talkback, and the phone lines are starting to fill up. People realized, hey, Walt Kiro's on the phone. So let's let's jump right in here. Uh, Jerry is up first. Jerry, good morning. You're on Talkback. Thanks for holding. Go ahead, yeah. sir. Good morning. Uh, oh, <clears throat> excuse me. I hope Santa Claus was nice to everybody there. Oh, uh, I think so. <laughs> Walt, the last time we talked, we had uh, we had less than a minute uh, oh. time left. And maybe you could... Uh, expand a little bit more I ask you about when things never change a year after year and not not filing and I was wondering if maybe you could expand on that a little bit more and uh, I have a hard time hearing on on the phone so I'll listen offline but if you could go into a little bit more about not filing after when nothing changes year after year uh, okay and, uh, yeah if I remember right you you, uh, you just uh, your income is social security and a small retirement is that right yeah uh, yeah retired retired with nothing changes year after year yeah uh okay there's there's two elements involved with uh, uh your the answer to your question if you have a common income and it repeats itself year after year after year. And it, it doesn't result in a tax liability. You know, why, why do you have to file? Well, first, there is what they call filing requirements. That's the first element. So every year, the amount of income that you get is, is subject to the filing requirement. And the filing requirement, let's just say it's $14,000 for the IRS. So if you take your pension income and it's $10,000 and you're single and you're not, uh, you don't have any other income other than your pension, if your pension was uh, $10,000, excuse me, your Social Security was uh, uh, $20,000, uh, are, are you going to have to file? So... You have to go through that test first. And in this that particular case, if you're single and if your income other than Social Security is, is less than $25,000, you do not have a filing requirement for the IRS. The state of Montana has different rules. And so you may have a filing requirement in the state of Montana. As I said, if your pension income was like ten dollars or $15,000, you would have to file a Montana return. That's the first element is do you have a filing requirement? The second element is if you do have to file and you prepare the return, do you have to file if you don't owe anything? Well, the answer to that is yes. If you have a filing requirement, you have to file, even if your tax is zero. In Montana, you're better off filing in a lot of cases if you either rent or own property that you pay property taxes on because if you're low income you can get up to it was a thousand dollars now i think it's up to 11 or 1200 bucks a year of what they call the elderly credit the elderly tax credit uh, 
And and so even though you may not owe any money, it may behoove you to file in Montana, even if you don't have a filing requirement to Montana, is to file and get your refund. So there's there's a whole bunch of elements involved with that. Go ahead. Go ahead, Jerry. That elderly requirement, is that 65 and over? Uh, no, it's it's 62 and older. And okay. if you pay rent, what happens is they want you to provide a rent receipt. And so let's say your rent for the year was $12,000, 1000 a month. You would take 15% of that, whichever, you know, say, what does that come to? Uh, $1,500, $1,800. That is your property tax that you're paying inside of your rent. At eighteen hundred bucks, and so you claim that has a, a, a property tax paid on the elderly tax credit, and depending upon your income, there's a, a, a table and formulas involved. But most people, if they're low income, can qualify for that credit. So it behooves you to uh, file in Montana if you get that credit. Yeah, well, we we own, and we're we're above that that income limit, so. Oh okay, yeah. Okay. Well, I appreciate. Yeah, I appreciate it, your time. Appreciate your advice. Oh, you bet. Okay. Well, good luck to you. Thanks, Jerry. Thanks. Bye. Have Bye. a great Have a great day, sir. Thank you so much. Uh, tell you what, let's go ahead and take our break now because I want to give Heather and Margaret and Joe uh, plenty of opportunity, uh, plenty of time because we, we'd, we'd be pressed for time if we took another call right now. We're going to come right back. Uh, Walt Kiro is joining us, our resident CPA from, from Kiro Byington and Associates uh, CPA firm here in Missoula, offering you general tax advice, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to come right back after this timeout. All right, crew, let's get her dug. Honey, you want to give me a hand? I'm planting that tree, remember? No matter how large or small your digging project may be, no matter how urban or rural, you must always call 811 before any digging project. 811 is our national one-call number, alerting your local utility companies to come out and mark any lines they have near your dig site. You must call 811 at least two to three business days before any digging project so you can avoid hitting our essential buried utilities. This includes natural gas and petroleum pipelines, electric, communication cables, and water and sewer lines. So before you do this or this, make sure you do this. For digging projects big or small, make the call to 811. Brought to you by Common Ground Alliance. Victor deployed for the first time to Afghanistan in 2003. At four in the morning, my phone rang. They said, I regret to inform you that your husband was wounded in action. Victor sustained a moderate traumatic brain injury. I was doing school full time, and I was also then caring for Victor. One of the most important elements of caregiving is taking care of yourself. I just didn't want to forget that I also had goals and that I also had a life. What I did is I challenged Victor to meet me halfway. There are almost six million military and veteran caregivers across the nation. We have our own journey and we can fulfill that journey at the same time that we are helping our loved one. Visit aarp.org caregiving for a free military veteran's guide to navigate your caregiving journey and better care for your loved one and yourself. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. On Wednesday's Montana Morning, Commissioner of Higher Education Clay Christian talked about banning TikTok from institutional accounts. I guess when both the 
federal government and, and a number of state governments and uh, others are raising concerns about it. I, we certainly want to be proactive enough to look into the situation, and that's exactly what we've asked to happen across the campuses and make sure we find a solution that, that keeps our our infrastructure intact. Montana Morning Weekdays, 6 to 8.30 on KGVO, 1290 AM, 98.3 FM, and the KGVO app. We are back on TalkBack. It is uh, Walt Kiro Day, Kiro Byington and Associates. Uh, Walt is our resident CPA. And folks are waiting, so let's jump right in. Heather, thank you for holding. You're on with Walt. Hi, Heather. Hi, Walt. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I know someone who made oh, approximately $20,000 at a job last year, and then he lost that job. And um, I guess starting in early December, started um, doing DoorDash. Mm-hmm. And, he, you know, he made roughly, I think, 250 bucks or something. And someone was telling him he doesn't need to claim that $250. And I'm, I'm saying, I think you do, <laughs> you know, as part of your overall income. So I just wanted to get clarification from that and make sure I give him the information he needs to do the right thing. There's a lot of people doing uh, what they call gig in income. Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, the thing is, is with twenty thousand dollars of, let's say it's a W two, he was working and then got laid off. He's going to have a filing requirement, and we just went over that, both federal and Montana, and he will likely have refunds coming. Now, if he earned two hundred and fifty dollars. Technically, he should file a Schedule C and report that $250 of income. If I was doing his return, I would claim all of his expenses, especially his car mileage, because he's probably got that much or more of uh, mileage expense to deduct. So he may end up uh, having a business loss from that $250. Who knows? But let's just say he breaks even. In other words, he comes to zero. It's better to file a return with that income than without it. Now, when you're self-employed, if your self-employment income is $400 or less, then you don't have to pay self-employment tax on that net income. So let's say, for example, he made $250 of income gross and he had no expenses, so his net was $250. You would include the $250 in his income tax calculation, but he wouldn't have to pay Social Security tax on that $250. And as Peter knows from his business, if you make more than X dollars, you've got to pay Social Security tax and income tax on it. So if that amounts more than $400, then you get caught up with that double tax. Uh, you know, uh, but as far as he doesn't need to claim it, no, nah, that's not true. If you've got a file and you have income, you should report it. Okay, great. Thank you for, thank you for the answer. You bet. Have a great day, Heather, and uh, happy New Year to you. Let's uh, continue on. I believe uh, Margaret is up next. Hey, Margaret, good morning. You're on Talk Back with Walt Kiro. Uh, good morning. I have you on speaker, so my husband can hear. Okay, Margaret. Right? I'll, I'll speak up a little. Okay, my question is about a capital gains tax <clears throat> when you sell your personal residence. Um, I kind of heard the government might want to get rid of that. Um, how does that work? Oh, okay. Nowadays, uh, uh, when you sell your personal residence... There's a, a one rule that you need to to know about, and that's if you own your home and, and live in it for two years out of the five-year period prior to the date of sale, 
you can exclude either a quarter of a million dollars or a half a million dollars of gain from your tax return. And if you've been listening, I talked about a filing requirement. Well, whenever one of our clients sells their personal residence, we report the sale. But if they have no gain that's taxable, then we report that, that the, that the sale took place, but there's no taxable gain. So how this works is uh, if, if let, let's say you bought your house in 1970 and you paid $40,000 for it. And you made some improvements and whatnot of 60000 over the last 50 years. And then you sell it for uh, 600000 So if, you're, if you've owned the house as a married couple, so both uh, husband and wife are on the title to the property, and you've lived in it and have owned it for that 50 years, you sell it for 600000 and you pay paid $100,000 for it with the improvements, so you have a $500,000 gain. That $500,000 gain is excludable from tax. I report the sale, but I report it that it's not taxable. So that's how the sale of a personal residence works. And so a lot of uh, residences in Montana and across the country avoid taxation if the taxpayers uh, uh, can qualify for that two- and five-year rule. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. And I have just one quick question. Sure. Several years ago, we refinanced our house uh, in order because we needed the money uh, out of it. And then we added our son onto uh, the title of the deed um, because ultimately we wanted him to, you know, get it as we die off yeah. and he would get the house with our thinking and uh, will that make a difference uh when we sell it uh, potentially what i would do is just uh for clarification purposes find an attorney and see if you can't change the deed so that it's transferable to your son upon death or or i think there's a thing out there and i'm not an attorney and and i don't even want to come close to being thought of as one, is, is to investigate whether or not you could use a beneficiary deed that does the same thing, that it would transfer the title to your son upon, you know, the second part, uh, the second person to die from your marriage. That's what I would do. But by putting him on the title now, you've kind of implied a gift. And, uh, you know, depending upon how that was transferred can make a lot of difference and that can foul up your your sale i i say it could i'm not saying it did right okay okay well for your uh, information okay well good luck out there thank you you bet very good thanks for the call we're going to come right back and i think we still have joe waiting on the line and several other phone lines open at 721-1290 walt kiro our resident cpa doing what he does best giving out uh, good uh, advice uh to folks just like you that's why he's here today 721-1290 we'll be right back Tom, meet ed movie buff animal lover safe driver five years of driving an ambulance teaches you a thing or two if people knew what i know lives could be saved When I see a car trying to rush past a turning bus, I get concerned. 
You see, when big vehicles turn right, they have to swing wide to make the turn. And that's a lesson you don't want to learn the hard way. When trucks and buses turn, let's you and I wait. It's, it's our roads. roads. It's, it's our, our safety. safety. Visit www.sharetheroadsafely.gov. Victor deployed for the first time to Afghanistan in 2003. He sustained a moderate traumatic brain injury. One of the most important elements of caregiving is taking care of yourself. For many military veteran caregivers, their caregiving journey starts earlier in life and lasts longer. Visit aarp.org caregiving for a free military veteran's guide to navigate your caregiving journey and better care for your loved one and yourself. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. All right, thanks for joining us on this Wednesday edition of Talk Back, January 4th. The first visit with uh, Walt Kiro, our resident CPA from Kiro Byington and Associates, offering you tax advice like to Joe. Joe, go ahead. Go, go ahead, yes, sir. Good morning. Hi, Joe. Good morning. Hey, you know, uh, it just seemed to me that uh, you mentioned the privacy aspects, uh, but, uh, you know, we know about Trump, and we know that, uh, what's his name, uh, um, his son's room got raided, you know. Uh, I forget his, his name. But anyway, uh, we know that... Uh, Are you talking about Donald Trump Jr.? No, his his little boy, his teenager. Oh, oh, Baron. Uh, Baron, yeah, Baron. Yeah, yeah. Baron's room got torn apart. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, but not, but not uh, Hunter Biden. <laughs> um, yeah. You know... So uh, we know the hypocrisy and everything, and, I, and, and then, it, you know, they released his returns, and I think it was um, Hillary Clinton that came up with the term a nothing burger. Yeah. Is is the release of those, because to me it seems like, well, if he did something wrong, that would be the IRS's responsibility to, uh, you know, prosecute him or fine him or whatever. Not, But anyway, it comes down to Merrick Garland. I call him Meritless Garland. But... Uh, with the uh, Department of Justice, because uh, all these agencies like the FBI going into Twitter and you got uh, Adam Schiff now, you know, he was pressuring Twitter. Uh, that was shown. And but it comes down to the uh, Justice Department, doesn't it? Is, am I getting that right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because the FBI works and answers to the Department of Justice and the FBI is the one who has been. Oh, acting like a hen on top of an egg, and the egg is Hunter Biden's laptop? Isn't that about how it looks to me? <laughs> yeah, I guess they asked uh, Jean-Pierre yesterday about um, whether or not uh, Joe lied to the Congress about knowing about his son's business dealings. Sure. <laughs> and she she just refused to answer. Yeah. Well, you know, a, a typical politician, once they're on TV or on the air, they're not under uh, they're not under oath. They're not promising to tell the truth and nothing but the truth. So, you know, they just uh, they just kind of have uh, free reign on what they say. So, yeah, it, it doesn't do much good because, uh, you know, for the folks that lie, because eventually it all comes up and catches up with them. Yeah, you know, this thing about McCarthy and uh, Jeffries, you know, the Democrats, they didn't have any opposition to Jeffries, and they just went right through with it. And uh, I think he's a big liability. But the fact that the Republicans are fighting a little bit is a good thing, because 
they're going to get that sorted out. And uh, whereas the Democrats didn't have any fight, but they they've got a real radical in there now for their uh, their leadership position. And but uh, that's just interesting and just some thoughts. Okay. All right, Joe. Joe, thanks for the call, sir. Thank Appreciate you. It. All right, uh, let's uh, continue on with uh, with tax advice. Dave is up next. Hey, Dave, good morning. Hi, Dave. Yes, good morning. Since, since we're into politics, I don't understand why Donald Trump lied so much about his tax returns. I mean, why didn't he just turn them over instead of saying, you know, he was under audit? And, and uh, you know, initially he said he would turn them over, and he, he never did. And I, it just... Amazes me. Uh, what but, law requires him to turn his tax returns over? Not, none. He just he said so. He said he would. And that's yeah. All. I uh, mean, that question uh, was posed Sunday by Jillian Turner at uh, Fox News. Uh, she was substituting for Shannon Breen on Fox News Sunday, and she she pressed uh, uh, the the congressman that he she was talking to who's on the House Ways and Means Committee that, uh, uh, as Trump said, I will release my returns once they're done from audit. And and uh, uh, Jillian asked him twice, well, is are those returns for those six years under audit? And he said yes. So those returns are still under audit. And then she didn't believe it, so she asked the question a second time. And the congressman said, yes, those returns are still under audit. And that was that backs up what Trump would say. Hey, I'd be happy to release my returns once the audit is done. Well, it's common information out there that the first two years he was president, his, his returns were not audited. Um, now, maybe he got audited later, but but for the first two years he was president, it wasn't. But uh, as far as uh, uh, what's going on in the House of Representatives, it just seems like the Republicans can't compromise. They, they, they're opposed to each other, and, and if you can't compromise among yourselves, how are you going to compromise and get things done in, in, in Washington, period? Because compromise is everything. And uh, it, it just seems kind of crazy that that we're not going to we're going to see a bunch of bills from the House of Representatives that are going to be uh, bills that cannot pass anywhere. They're, they'll just be wasted time votes on on issues like like uh, the the uh, IRS people that are already due to be hired the eight thousand a year, which I assume you would like some of them hired, and. Uh, it's it's just they're going to be doing a lot of waste of time because they're not going to compromise. Yeah, well, Dave, uh, first uh, you, you mentioned that uh, uh, that Trump's returns for the first two years of his presidency weren't under audit. I'm thinking that from what I gather, the Congress has a requirement to review the president's returns under this this bill. But that's a separate review of his returns from an IRS audit. So uh, as far as I can tell, they're two distinct things. So he could have both an IRS audit and then a congressional oversight taking place at the same time over the same years. So I, you know, I'd like to find out if that's what's going on here. And if that's true, you know, I don't know the answer to that. But it's, I think it's a question that needs to be answered. I agree with you. I think we need to get a lot more questions answer, answered. Mm-hmm. And uh, our, both our 
representatives are on opposite sides of this issue. It's, it's kind of interesting that uh, the two men in, that we hired to go to Washington disagree on, on who should be Speaker of the House. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, well, um, uh, until, until we get a Speaker of the House, I don't think Zinke's a, 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 a congressman. Because yeah, because he hasn't been sworn in yet. He hasn't yeah. been sworn yeah. in yet, but yeah. I agree I, with I, you. By the way, I, I have a call in to, to Zinke. He, he sent me a, uh, a, a message which was a little bit, you know, not exactly very pointed or definite, but just basically, let's get, let's get the, uh, the show on the road here. Uh, but I haven't heard from Rosendale either. I, I know Rosendale is, is opposed, uh, but I'm not sure how Zinke is feeling about it. Yeah, it, it, from what I gather, and I'm just going by hearsay here, but, you know, if, if you were a fly on the wall when these negotiations were taking place, it sounds like the, the gang of five or the gang of 20 are jockeying for position and looking for favors and chairmanship committee assignments and all that stuff. So it, it sounds like it's boiling down to some greed taking place. Yeah. Anyway, well, yeah. we'll find out more later. You ask them, they'll say we're standing on principle. So I don't know what's the truth, that we stand on principle, that that um, that he's not our man. So we'll see what, like you say, we'll try to get to the truth. You bet. All right, Dave, thanks for the call. We're up against a break. 721-1290 is our number. And we have, I believe, uh, Ed and an app question. Uh, when we come back, by the way, several phone lines open at 721-1290. Walt Kiro joining us for the next 18 minutes. If you have a tax question, give us a call. Okay, we're back on Talkback. 721-1290 is our number. Just got a note from uh, someone that said, Zinke has been voting for McCarthy. Rosendale has been voting against McCarthy and for Biggs and, uh, and also Jim Jordan. So there you go. Well, maybe because he hasn't been sworn in, but yeah. he can vote for speaker. I, Possibly. That'd be I, news to me, but I, that's fine. I don't know. Okay, so Ed is up next. Ed, good morning. You're on Talkback. Thanks for holding, sir. Hi, Ed. Hey. Hi. Hey, th thanks for having me on here. Uh, I got a question about the required minimum distribution. Ouch. Uh, wife yeah. and I have been uh, uh, taking that for about eight years now. And uh, something a little different this year is that we have been uh, out of state uh, since before Christmas. And we're currently out of state right now. Oh, good <laughs> right, for you. Right now. And, yeah, and uh, f forgot about this. Uh, it's been handled pretty much automatically uh, in the past, I think my wife has received a check in the mail being held right now by the post office. Mm -hmm. And I've had direct deposit, as I remember. But I look in the bank account and uh, there's no deposit <laughs> uh, of the amount for a required my required distribution. Yeah. So I, I think everything is going to be okay here. But what what are the penalties if somebody misses... Uh, a required distribution. And oh. can you leave me on because I don't have good... Uh, uh, I can't hear you otherwise. Go right ahead. Okay. Uh, there's a penalty for not taking the required minimum distribution within the allowed time frame. So in other words, I've got to take my second minimum distribution this year. And if I don't do it, then whatever the distribution amount is, I can't remember the percentage Uh during our next break, I'll look it up, but I think it's like, it's something severe. It's like 16 or 18%. Maybe somebody already knows, but most people, most custodians of IRAs and most, 
what we call TPAs, third-party administrators of profit-sharing and pension plans, will notify people as to their minimum distribution. Ed, like you say, it was kind of done automatically. But uh, if you've got a check in the mail, what's going to happen is is your uh, custodian of your IRA or if it's a a, a pension or profit-sharing plan, the administrator will, even though they wrote the check and it didn't get cashed until 2023, doesn't matter. They will issue a 1099-R for the appropriate time period. And so you should be good to go. I don't think you're going to get into any kind of trouble based on that. Okay. Well, okay. I got a little worried when I didn't when I didn't see the deposit uh, of mine uh, in a certain uh, bank account. Oh, okay. Worried. So, and yours is automatic. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So. Hey. Uh, yeah. This is but, a year, and like I say, I've been doing this for seventy-eight years, which uh, <laughs> or not seventy-eight, eight years, which yeah. means I'm old. <laughs> right. Right. I know that feeling. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but the whole thing is, is that uh, even though you didn't get the automatic payment, uh, I, I think what I would be doing is contacting that third-party administrator or the custodian of your IRAs and say, hey, I was supposed to get my minimum distribution. You wrote me in December or November and said my minimum distribution was X and I was supposed to get it paid. I didn't get it. What's going on? And I would be okay. talking with them. Okay, thanks a lot, Walt. Okay, good luck, Ed. Thank you, sir. Appreciate that. Uh, let's continue on, I believe. Uh, next is John. John, good morning. You're on with Walt Carroll. Go ahead, please, sir. Morning, Walt. How's, how's it going? Good. How are you, John? Not too bad. Hey, uh, what's your opinion on these uh, 87,000 IRS agents? <laughs> well, as I talked about before, uh, my opinion is is that I thought at first when I heard about the uh, Inflation Reduction Act that that money going to the IRS would be used to improve service. And then once the bill enforce provisions came out, what was in the package, I found, you know, 57 percent of that, but uh, of the Inflation Reduction Act, the 88 billion dollars that was going to the IRS, 45.6 billion was going to enforcement. So that means they were going to hire more agents and more uh, collection people. And and so they were only going to give 32% to operations support and some other, you know, 4% to taxpayer services. I, I was feeling that they should invert that and put more money into taxpayer services rather than uh, enforcement and operations support. As, as I uh, uh, mentioned earlier, that 87,000 agents is to... Uh, replace some of the existing ones because there's an awful lot of retirements taking place. But it doesn't matter. Uh, if, if you're going to hire 87,000 agents, uh, that's a huge, uh, I mean, that's, that's almost like a military force. If you look at that, but over ten, that's spread out over 10 years. So, uh, you know, I think we'll have to wait and find out. But if, if we have... 87,000 agents out there with nothing to do, they're going to start looking at taxpayers under 400,000 of income. And so that's, that's why the taxpayer advocate was, was questioning the veracity 
of the Biden, of the president and his his uh, administration officials talking about that they were not going to be doing that. So though, those are my opinions. Some of that is based upon uh, other people's thoughts, especially the taxpayer advocate who is an employee of the IRS and, and, and has quite a bit of knowledge and access to information. So, you know, Walt, I think this sounds like it comes right out of the Pelosi playbook. <laughs> Got to sign it to know what's in it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, and when I first heard about that from the Inflation Reduction Act, when it was when it was passed, I, I, I had high hopes that they would do more for taxpayer service. But has it has it ended up? The answer was no. They're doing little for taxpayer service. And, you know, and what? taxpayer service. Uh, in other words, can you call the IRS and get a response? You're going to be put on hold for God knows how long, or you'll get a an immediate response that says, oh, uh, leave us your number. We'll call you back later, which, well, good luck. I am still waiting on a, t- a refund of over $7,500 for a client of mine who has died more than two years ago. Wow. And it, it's, just, it's just insane how dysfunctional the IRS is. They're overwhelmed, and it's not going to get any better. Well, our government is really dysfunctional. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I can just speak to what I know here. Yeah. All right, sir. Okay, well, thanks. uh, Hey, wait a minute. I think Jeffries is going to be controlled by Pelosi. Oh, I wouldn't doubt that. Oh, yeah. It's going to be Pelosi's Yeah. Pelosi's puppet. <laughs> well, we'll certainly see. We're up against a break, sir. Thanks so much for your call. We're going to come right back. 721-1290 is our number. So one-minute timeout's our last break. By the way, we still have, uh, we have we have an app question we haven't asked yet. We'll do that when we come back from the break. But we still have all of our phone lines open. If you have a tax question for Walt Kiro, he's here to serve you for the next eight minutes. We'll be right back. My name is Corporal Bradley Joseph Seitz. Jerry Reed. Kate Weber. These are real veterans facing a real challenge. I have PTSD. And I have PTSD. I have PTSD. Post-traumatic stress disorder can happen to anyone. I was still in a war zone in my mind. But treatment can turn your life around. Treatment has really saved my life. To learn about PTSD and how treatment can help you, Call your local VA medical center or visit ptsd.va.gov. Some of the best sounds you'll ever hear are generic, safe, effective, even money-saving, just like FDA-approved generic drugs. Even if they don't come in the exact same color or shape as their brand name equivalents, they have the same key ingredients and go through a rigorous review process. Talk to your doctor or pharmacist today and visit fda.gov slash generic drugs. Generics are safe, effective, and can save you money. You'll like the sound of that. Okay, we're back on Talk Back. Just a few precious minutes left with Walt Kiro. But, Nick, I understand we have an app question called in earlier. Uh, Yeah, Kitty said, what are the rules on deductions for charitable contributions and secondary mortgage? And are there any tax breaks for the average income earners that we don't know or hear of? Hmm. Okay. Well, uh, the, uh, the the rules on charitable dis- contributions are, you know, you've got there's rules for cash contributions. There's rules for personal property contributions, such as uh, uh, you know your underwear drawer going down to Goodwill. 
that, that you can deduct that as a charitable contribution, but based upon the fair market value. Don't you have so, to have a receipt from the... Yeah, yeah. You get a, say you get yeah. a receipt from Goodwill, right. and you assign a value to that. And w- the rule of thumb on that kind of stuff, like your underwear drawer, is, is to use what you would get at a garage sale for it. So 50 cents or a buck or whatever. Uh, if you donate real estate to a charity, then you go to a fair market value. You need an appraisal. If the value of that property is more than $10,000, you need to attach that to your return. But nowadays, uh, because the standard deduction on the federal return is so high, most people are not itemizing. It still pays to itemize because uh, the rules are different on Montana. So, you know, those are some of the rules. Uh, I could talk for hours and hours on <laughs> donations. Uh, but uh, Nick, could you help me? What were the other questions? I... Uh, she just said, she also asked about secondary mortgage, um, but she just said if there are any tax breaks for the average income earners that we don't know or hear of. Oh, okay. This A lot of the tax breaks for people is you can use uh, health savings accounts if you qualify. You need a, a high a high deductible insurance plan to qualify for that. But uh, that's one thing that you don't hear much about, but a lot of people are taking advantage of it, but it, it, it's out there and it's helpful, especially for uh, uh, taxpayers who you know don't have much else because it's a deduction uh, for you now and it puts money into a savings account that you can use for uh, medical expenses down the road and not have an income tax to pay. Uh, other deductions is is obviously maximize what you can put into retirement. Uh, everybody knows that, but a lot of people, I don't think, take advantage of that. Mm-hmm. So uh, I I would look to that as it, it's a last best place for looking for deductions. We have time for one more call, I believe. Okay. Jim Jim is up next. Jim, good morning. Uh, you may be our last caller on Talkback. Go ahead. Hi, Jim. Hi, Walt. So my wife is going to be 65 in May. Okay. And we are looking for somebody to crunch the numbers to to see if she, uh, when she reaches 65, she wants to kind of slide into retirement, but still wants to work a little bit. And is that, so, so we need to have somebody, is it, uh, to crunch the numbers on Social Security, on if she even wants to take it right now, or or I know that Social Security will only allow you to take, uh, to make so much money. Is that something that an accounting firm would, uh, would do, or do I need to look elsewhere? No, we, we'd be glad to help you. Uh, uh, just, just call me at 406-549-2288. And my uh, our receptionist, Sanera, would set up an appointment for you to discuss that. There are a lot of moving parts with that. But one of the things, first, when your wife in May turns 65, either 60 days before or 60 days after her birthday, she should sign up for Medicare. Uh, she should do that regardless. For some reason, uh, if you're more than 60 days late, they penalize you. So... Uh, I don't know what those penalties are, but the the whole point of that is is just do what they ask you on Medicare. Your question is mostly pointed towards, well, should I work longer to retirement? 
I would say I would wait until she can reach regular retirement age. So for her, it's probably going to be 66 and four months. Now, you can retire earlier, but I, I would... I would strongly encourage at this point just to wait until she reaches her regular retirement age. That way you don't get penalized on how much she can get. And, and, and another thing is I would uh, set, call Social Security, set up an appointment and go over uh, with the Social Security people what's, what, uh, what her benefits are, what her options are, and what to do and what not to do. Uh, Social Security is kind of an advocacy office. It's not like the IRS, which is kind of a, the opposite of that. And so uh, I've, uh, I've always gotten, you know, decent or good responses from Social Security. And they actually have a live person answering the phone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, uh, when I retired, I, yeah, when I retired, I went down there, and they were they were very engaging. But we're more worried about does she want to take Social Security now at a reduced rate and then uh, continue to work part-time um her profession is um she makes quite a bit of money so that working part-time wouldn't last very long if we're reading the social security taking so much money out of her check for however much money she is making at her part-time yeah it'd be best to look at your income tax picture with with all those elements because there's like i said there's a lot of moving parts and we're just about out of time. We are. Yes, I really appreciate your time, and thanks for your call. Uh, and, okay, so how about some contact information? Okay, Mr. as Wall? I just said, you can contact me at 406-549-2288. We have a website, kbcpas.net. That's our website. And that's uh, the two best ways of reaching us. Always a pleasure, Walt. Thank you. Hey, thank you. Uh, another great year underway, thanks to uh, Walt Kiro. On behalf of Nick Questions, and I'm Peter Christian. Thanks for joining us. We'll be, I uh, hope you'll see us tomorrow morning. It's 6 o'clock for Montana Morning.